What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Formula One is one of the world's fastest-growing sports. The business was purchased by Liberty Media in 2016 for $4.4 billion. They are now doing nearly $3 billion in annual revenue alone, and Formula One's stock price is up 275% since the acquisition. But rather than talking about Liberty Media specifically, today's episode is going to showcase how some of the sport's most prominent brands are leveraging the 1.5 billion viewers last year to build multi-billion dollar businesses. This is a topic that should be discussed more often than it is. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and let's get right to it. So it's no secret that professional sports are one of the world's best marketing vehicles. It's exactly why sports betting companies like Caesars, DraftKings, and FanDuel are collectively paying the NFL $1 billion. Or why YouTube TV recently signed presenting sponsorship deals for the NBA Finals and MLB World Series. And it's also why Adidas just signed a six-year, $830 million sponsorship extension with MLS. These leagues are bringing in billions of dollars. For example, the NFL brought in $1.88 billion in sponsorship revenue last year. The NBA was second at $1.64 billion. MLB was third at $1.19 billion. NHL was fourth at $753 million, and MLS was fifth at $677 million. Now look, these deals are mutually beneficial. Brands provide sports leagues with capital in exchange for the opportunity to build brand awareness and reach new customers. And even though the top U.S. sports leagues collectively bring in several billion dollars in sponsorship revenue each year, the best example in sports is still Formula One. Win on Sunday, sell on Monday is the common phrase you'll hear thrown around at the racetrack. And with Formula One averaging 77 million viewers per race, i.e. 23-plus Super Bowls a year, brands have spent more than $30 billion advertising on the sport since 2005. So today I want to explore some of the best examples, including how engine manufacturers use the sport to sell more cars, and why consumer brands like Red Bull manufacture history to reduce customer acquisition costs and build brand loyalty. So let's start with Ferrari. This is by far, in my opinion, the best example of building a brand through Formula One. Ferrari's brand and fan base is so strong and iconic that Formula One reportedly pays the automaker $35 million annually simply due to its historical significance in Formula One racing. Literally, Formula One pays Ferrari to be in the sport. Now, this is simply because Enzo Ferrari literally built the brand in Formula One. He only started manufacturing sports cars to fund the Ferrari racing team. And the Prancing Horses are the oldest and most successful Formula One team now. They've competed in every world championship since 1950, winning 15 drivers championships and 16 constructors championships. This on-track success has helped Ferrari build a huge fan base. Ferrari says its F1 team has 80 million fans worldwide, with 84% of Italian motorsports fans supporting Ferrari, compared to just 17% for Alfa Romeo, the only other F1 Italian automaker. And Ferrari uses this fan base as leverage to sell cars. For example, Ferrari finished second in the constructor standings last year, and their drivers, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, both finished in the top five of the driver standings. This helped Ferrari post a record year. They shipped 13,221 cars, which was up nearly 20% year over year. They brought in 5.5 
billion in annual revenue, which again was up 20% year over year. And they took home an operating profit of over $1 billion last year, up 12% year over year. And the result, the company's stock price increased 67% over the last 12 months alone. But Ferrari isn't just focused on cars either. The brand also brought in $523 million in sponsorship and commercial revenue last year alone, up 11% year over year. And they now own 15 brick and mortar stores globally. They're selling hundreds of millions of dollars in clothing, shoes, watches, jewelry, eyewear, luggage, and more. So my point is simple. Ferrari has built a massive brand, almost exclusively through Formula One, and it's not slowing down anytime soon. But the second example I want to talk about is Lawrence Stroll and Aston Martin. Now, for those of you that don't know, Lawrence Stroll purchased a Formula One racing team called Force India a few years ago. Many people at the time thought he was just simply guaranteeing his son a long-term seat in Formula One. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Stroll had already spent more than $100 million to get his son into Formula One. Again, for those that don't know, he bought an F3 team, and then he hired a staff of about 20 people, plus engineers from Mercedes and Ferrari and other places like that, and they literally traveled around the world. They went to Silverstone, they went to Monza, Austria, Barcelona, Abu Dhabi, Austin, Sochi, so his son could gain experience. They literally just went around and tested the car on all these different tracks around the world to prove and get his son experience behind a Formula One car. He invested over $100 million to get this done. So it obviously wouldn't be a surprise if he bought Force India to guarantee his son, who was only like 20 at the time, a long-term seat in Formula One. But that's really only half the story. Because Lawrence Stroll later invested $235 million for a controlling stake in Aston Martin. He then rebranded the Force India team as the Aston Martin team, marking the brand's return to Formula One after 60 years. And Stroll's plan was relatively simple. He just wanted to use F1 as a marketing platform to sell cars. And similar to Ferrari, Stroll is already having some success. He was able to convince Mercedes Formula One team principal, Toto Wolff, to spend $22 million on a 1% stake in the business. Aston Martin then signed a technology sharing agreement with Mercedes and hired the head of Mercedes AMG, Tobias Morris, as their new CEO. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this happening. I think it was probably two years ago at this point, but they actually investigated Total Wolf. I say investigated in air quotes because I don't know how serious it was, but there were allegations that there was some sort of insider trading going on here because Total Wolf acquired a 1% stake for $22 million in the business. And then shortly after, I don't remember if it was a month or two months or three months or six months, but shortly after, they signed a technology sharing agreement with Mercedes, which meant that they're going to share their technology with Aston Martin. And then they hired the head of Mercedes AMG as the new CEO of Aston Martin. So that has been done with. It's gone away. Total Wolf is not being investigated for it. They have said everything is okay. But all of these deals led to better on-track performance. For those that have been paying attention this year, Fernando Alonso is in great form, and he currently sits third in the F1 driver standings. And the parent company of Aston Martin, they're selling more cars too. For example, Lawrence Stroll was at a Financial Times event this May, in May 2023, and he mentioned two interesting stats that I picked up on. He said 70% of Aston Martin's $1.75 billion in annual sales are because of the Formula One team. So again, he says 70% of the brand's total sales are because of the Formula One team. He also says that Aston Martin has sold 300, more than 300 of their Vantage F1 edition cars, 
That equals out to about $60 million in total sales. And he claims that they were able to do this because of their partnership with Formula One as the safety car. So again, for those who uh, don't watch Formula One as much or haven't been paying attention to the safety cars, this year, Aston Martin is rotating with Mercedes and their Vantage F1 edition car is the safety car for about half the races. And Lawrence Stroll is saying that they've sold over 300 of those cars as a result of that partnership, totaling $60 million in sales. Now, look, the obvious response to this is, how does he attribute these car sales to Formula One? It's obviously super tricky to do. And if everyone had the ability to do that from a marketing perspective, they would do it. And maybe Lawrence Stroll is embellishing it a little bit. But regardless, Formula One seems to be having a very positive impact on Lawrence Stroll's quest to turn around Aston Martin. Another good example is Mercedes. The Mercedes Formula One team dominated for most of the 2010s winning eight consecutive constructor championships from 2014 to 2021. This resulted in massive exposure for the brand, with Mercedes' parent company even mentioning in its annual shareholder report that the Mercedes F1 team averaged about 25% of total TV share during F1 races. So again, let me make sure you understand that correctly. In the Mercedes' parent company's annual shareholder report, right, talking to their shareholders, they specifically mentioned that Formula One, when the team is good, 2014 to 2021, they averaged 25% of total TV share. So a quarter of the time that the race was on television, with 77 million people watching every single race, it was fixated on a Mercedes car, simply because they were that good, right? And this exposure has doubled the Mercedes brand value over the last decade. In 2013, the Mercedes interbrand ranking was valued at $32 billion dollars. Last year, they valued the Mercedes brand at $56 billion. So again, going from $32 billion at the start of the 2010s to $56 billion last year. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with Formula One and the TV share that they were getting while on that historic run. Now, the business has also changed a lot too. The Mercedes Formula One team has seen its workforce increase from 650 employees in 2013 to more than 1,000 employees today. They now bring in annual revenues of more than $450 million, which is up from about $200 million in 2013. And the introduction of the cost cap has helped Mercedes expand its profits, profits from $15 million in 2020 to $75 million today. And it's not just the team that's benefiting either. Lewis Hamilton, for instance, earned $65 million last year and was ranked as the world's 21st richest athlete according to Forbes. The majority of that money, call it $55 million, comes from his Formula One contract, but he also makes about $10 million annually from sponsors like Bose, Electronic Arts, Mercedes-Benz, Monster Energy, Police, Puma, and Tommy Hilfiger. And he also started building an impressive investment portfolio. Just over the last two to three years, he's invested in businesses like Athletic Greens and Tomorrow Sports. And of course, he bought a minority stake in the NFL's Denver Broncos. But next, I want to talk about Red Bull. So we all probably know the saying by now. Red Bull isn't an energy drink company. It's a marketing company. And Formula One is at the core of its marketing strategy. For example, Red Bull spends 35% of its annual budget on marketing, simply to differentiate its brand. And then they outsource the production of their non-proprietary energy drink to an Austrian bottling company. Some of this money is spent on attention-grabbing stunts, like the time they built a skate park 2,000 feet in the air hanging from a hot air balloon. But most of Red Bull's marketing money is spent on their portfolio of owned and operated sports teams. 
It's a strategy that Mario Gabriel from The Generalist calls manufacturing history. And the idea is simple. You buy and invest in a sports team. You win over the fans, creating affection. You compete for trophies. And then you have this constant exposure and deep affection that creates long-term ties to the brand, continuously reducing customer acquisition costs. And while Red Bull owns and operates several soccer, hockey, surfing, sailing, and MotoGP teams, their biggest investment, by far, is with Formula One. Red Bull co-founder Dietrich Mateschitz purchased the Jaguar F1 team for literally $1 in 2004. $1 they purchased the Jaguar F1 team for. And then he agreed to invest hundreds of millions of dollars in the team over the next three years. Mateschitz then rebranded the team as Red Bull Racing and the rest is history. Red Bull has invested $2.3 billion into Red Bull Racing so far, creating $300 million plus in annual brand exposure. That means, when you add it all up, that they've generated more than $5 billion in annual exposure since they bought the team, securing a two times return on their total marketing spend. And don't forget, they also recently just signed a $300 million deal with Oracle to rename the team Red Bull Oracle Racing. And they're also now trying to run the exact same playbook with their sister team, Scuderia AlphaTauri, which benefits the Red Bull fashion label, AlphaTauri. Another good example of all of this is a little bit more recent, but I still think it's noteworthy, and that's Ford's big bet on Formula One. Now look, Ford previously owned Jaguar before selling the business in 2008, so they technically own the Formula One team that Red Bull purchased for $1 back in 2004. But now Ford is returning to Formula One, and they're teaming up with Red Bull again. The car manufacturer will be working with Red Bull Powertrain to develop the next-gen hybrid power units that will be required as part of F1's new power unit regulations that start in 2026. Ford is going to be supplying engines to both Oracle Red Bull Racing and Scuderia AlphaTauri. But why are they doing this? It's actually quite simple. It's the same reason why all these other manufacturers are getting into Formula 1. Ford wants to use F1 to sell electric vehicles. Here's a little quote from Ford CEO Jim Farley to CNN about what they are trying to do in Formula 1. He said, Besides the ability to research electric drive systems, the growing American audience is a key reason Ford decided to get back into the sport. With the Ford F-150, Lightning, and Mustang Mach-E, Ford currently ranks a distant second to Tesla in electric vehicle sales, and Farley said F-1 could help close that gap. Both the tech transfer and then the marketing, he said, it's a great time to turn a whole new generation of Americans onto these Ford EVs. So I actually think the business strategy here is quite simple. Ford's going to be partnering up with Red Bull, who previously had a partnership with Honda, and then opened their own division, Red Bull Powertrains, to develop the next-gen hybrid power units that will be used in Formula One starting in 2026. And CEO Jim Farley has made it clear. He hopes that the sport will continue to grow in America and help them close the gap on Tesla in electric vehicle sales. And last but not least, it's not just car manufacturers and the drivers that are benefiting from the growth of Formula One. Formula One has a whole host of global marketing partners. There's businesses like Heineken, who was previously paying $50 million a year, and Rolex, who's paying $45 million a year, that have combined to pay Formula One $30 billion from 2005 to 2019. Again, brands like Heineken, Rolex, Aramco, all these brands, they're paying tens of millions of dollars every single year to be global marketing partners of Formula One. They get signage at all the races. They get to use their logos in advertising campaigns. They have a title sponsorship. There's banners throughout the track, et cetera, et cetera. 
and they have paid Formula One $30 billion over the last essentially 15 years. And in 2022, sponsorships represented 17% of Formula One's $2.1 billion in revenue. That equates to an estimated $356 million in sponsorship revenue alone. And for examples of team sponsorships, you have the big teams like Red Bull or Mercedes, who are getting about $75 to $100 million a year from their title sponsors. And then you have smaller teams like Haas, who's probably getting about $20 million a year from their title sponsor. But any way you look at it, the point is clear. With Formula One continuing to build up the sport over the last few years, the teams, the drivers, and the overall sport are making billions of dollars in annual sponsorship revenue. And with the sport only getting bigger in the United States, the world's most lucrative sports market, it doesn't appear to be slowing down anytime soon. All right, everyone, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I had a bunch of fun researching it and putting it together, and I hope you guys enjoyed it too. As always, if you did enjoy it, please leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk on Monday.